You are listening to Tales from the Trenches by Nicola Graham, a podcast focusing on all things business change related. Time to hand over to you, Nick. Hi, everyone. This is Tales from the Trenches of Change Management, and I am joined here today by Trevor Hunt. Hi, Nick. Hello, Trevor. So, Trevor, you are the CTO advisor at Behind Every Cloud Limited, who, as I understand, are what I would consider a connector between businesses and technologies. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, It's a relatively new role for me. Um, And uh, yes, that's exactly what we do. Behind Every Cloud were established about 10 years ago um, and have recently moved into this uh, technology advisory role. We have a deep knowledge and understanding of best of breed providers in the market. And uh, we help CTOs, technology decision makers, to make decisions about which are the best uh, solution to their problems. Excellent, excellent. Okay. And as I understand it, this is actually a new chapter in your own career. Um, so you've now taken on this advisory position with um, Behind Every Cloud. But with your 30 years of experience, you've had in financial services, technologies and operational roles. Um, you're str- you also have some strategic benefits and capabilities um, that should suit the uh, existing portfolio of expertise within the organisation. So you're obviously a good match for them. And um, one of the apparent skill sets um, that I've noticed that you do have, Trevor, is you have buckets full of excellent communication and influencing skills, if I can pronounce that today. Um, And uh, something here at Simplify Change that we're continuously advocating is um, around communication from technical colleagues right through to the board level. And obviously we really stress how important that is and that people naturally gravitate to habitats. So, um, and that's something I personally notice in the tech space um, of all of these different buzzwords that we tend to have. So if it's okay with you, something I'm really keen to work through this podcast today with yourself is to kind of maybe raise some of these some of these buzzwords in the conversations and let's help some of our listeners today maybe bust some jargon. Are you up for it? Yeah, most definitely, Nick. <laughs> uh, um, it sounds like fun, and I'm always up for busting jargon. Sounds good. Excellent, excellent. No more acronyms. <laughs> um, so no before best. we start talking uh, about about technology and your role and things like that, let's uh, let's give our, our listeners a little bit more of an introduction about yourself, Trevor. And ironically, listeners, as you know, um, I am always keen to talk to uh, fellow cyclists. And ironically, uh, Trevor and myself, we connected through uh, Strava, of all places. And for those who may not know, um, Strava is a, a community for cyclists where we basically record our our routes and our rides and we try and compete to get the top positions. Um, but it's obviously a really nice social um, social platform for us. Um, and I and actually one of the um, one of the conversations that, that that we've already had and I'm quite keen to talk to you uh, about on this podcast today is the fact that you're looking at ways how you can encourage networking uh, within the cycling communities. So tell us a little bit more about what you're doing there. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, Strava is a fantastic social media platform, right? But most people won't think of it that way. But uh, it's been around for a good eight or nine years, I think. And uh, it, uh, as you say, it allows riders to record their rides, become competitive. Um, I've been cycling for a bit longer than that. And I've always found it 
a good blend between something that can be social and something that can also be quality me time as well because we all need that balance i think in in our you know, we talk about work-life balance yeah. I, I think it's very much about striking a balance so cycling serves that purpose very well uh, now uh, with, with strava you can easily post photos a little bit of a story about what you did It'll but also that. you can use it to connect to um, fellow cyclists as, as we have done and as I have done with uh, people in similar kind of positions to myself and they can be all over the world um, it, it's amazing to see how it's very easy to cross cross the borders and uh, connect with people that you've worked with or people that you're just beginning to get to know. Um, so it's a, it's a great platform and I, I really enjoy using it. Yeah, I I, um, I absolutely agree with everything you're saying there. Ironically, through um, working with global clients, um, I managed to connect with several clients across the world as well. So um, if I've visited clients, say in Brazil, for example, I've been very fortunate to do that. Um, I managed to connect with a few um of 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 the of the colleagues over there and actually managed to get on some really nice rides so it it does provide that opportunity um not, not, you know not necessarily just to meet people but also to to obtain those connections and, and keep and maintain them you know so now when i have conversations with those with those colleagues in brazil we're immediately talking about where we've been and i know where they've been because i can i can be jealous of their routes every day seeing where they're you know where they're cycling so i i think i think you know you know what you're trying to achieve there is is fantastic and uh you know i want to be part of it so make sure you, you make sure you do include me in all of that that'd be great um Much so so moving on a little bit then, I um, I had actually had a conversation with somebody the, the other day. It was really interesting and I wanted to raise this as a question with yourself. Um, you know, you have a really strong information techno te technology um, background and I'm really keen to see what you think. So um, the person I was having this conversation with the other day made a statement that they felt technology is dead. Technology is dead. And I thought that was quite a strong thing to say. Um, and they went on to explain why they thought that. Have you ha have you heard that terminology before? And, you know, if so, what's your thoughts about it? Yeah, I, I can't say I've seen it written down anywhere, Nick, but uh, it's certainly something I've been thinking about a lot, especially at this, uh, this time that we're in right now, and also the point I am in my career, if I can just talk quickly about that. Um, so, so as you've rightly said at the beginning, I've, I've been in technology for over 30 years now, but when I started, it wasn't called technology, it was computing, right? I did a HMD in uh, computer studies, um, and it was always something very, very separate from, from business. It was just a, a separate specialization. Um, in my early career, I remember what my line manager telling me, Oh, you're now in charge of everything to do with the computers in the organization. I'm going to make you head of data processing. And I absolutely hated that term because it, it kind of reflected the past and not technology, which was the way of, of the future as it was then. Um, and of course, over that time, over the last um, 20 years, it's evolved from technology to information technology and IT because you can't you can't really deliver solutions unless you care about the data that's stored on the technology as well. Mm -hmm. um, and most recently, 
what's very much at the top table, um, meaning CEOs and boards, is this thing called digital transformation. Oh, there you are. There's another buzzword right there. So uh, dig digital transformation, I've heard that quite a bit, but what exactly does it mean? Yeah, I, it's, an, it's an interesting abstract term and has come about, I think, in the last five years or so. But Boston Consulting Group, they talk about it being the kind of juxtaposition of your technology team, your marketing team and your operations team. You get all three of those together working as a as a on a digital strategy. And you could actually have someone who's leading that, right? A chief digital officer uh, who will then take the organization through a digital transformation. I mean, fundamentally, we've been doing this for many years. It's just been technology driving the transformation. Now there's this usage of the word digital transformation effectively doing the same thing, right? It's working out how you can re-engineer your organization to provide what a customer needs in a digital kind of way. So a, a great combination of people, process and technology. So it comes back to the point of technology is dead. Maybe it is, and it's now replaced by, in quotes, digital. Fair enough. And you mentioned um, you mentioned customers. Are you referring more to your business colleagues there, as, as to what they need? It could it could be both internal or external customers, right? As a as a technology function, you have to think in both ways, right? You have internal customers who are using the services that you deliver. As an organization, you have to deliver digital services to clients these days. And great examples of that in the sector I've worked in, in financial services. Many people now using apps to do their banking. That's all part of this digital transformation process. Yeah, I must. I, I must admit, I, I may have, may have probed you a little bit on that one because, um, you know, obviously we, we've 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 both spoken previously about our years experience in technology and how we've seen it evolve and actually the reason i the reason i mention that is because that um you know that that change of going from it driving change and not really consulting what the business needs are but also what their customers needs are is obviously a change for technical technical services and um you know that 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 then moves on into how the roles of CIOs and CTOs are also having to change and evolve. You know what is what is their their new roles um, these days when it does come to things like digital transformation and having to really engage several different parts of a business. And do you see that if CIOs and CTOs are able to change and evolve the way they're adapting to things? Do you think that will help reduce things like shadow IT, for example, which, of course, is another jargon terminology. So we could bust that one if you don't mind. Yeah, most definitely. So quickly, shadow IT is I think it's a term that uh, the technology teams have used to try and alienate um, what I think is so important these days, which is business business staff are becoming more technically savvy. Um, and can now easily find solutions to their problems without involving the technology department. Yeah. 
um, they can easily go and speak to a, you know a, a third party vendor, get them to develop something, deliver it back, and say here's your solution very very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so 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 you know technology have called that shadow IT, but I I don't see it that way at all. I think it's just where business is becoming fundamentally more technology savvy in how it delivers solutions. Okay. Um, I mean, cl clearly you've got a choice, right? You can, as an organization, you can choose to use your internal technology department or you can use a third party vendor. You can buy a product or you can build uh, a solution to, to a problem. Um, in fact, when you when you buy things, you typically have to do integration and com configure it into your existing infrastructure. So there's still some uh, build work to to be done. But um, this this is a, a change that that uh, organisations are now embracing the ability to easily buy and integrate solutions to solve business problems. Now, uh, cloud and um, you know, especially public cloud has changed this model considerably. It used to be the case that you do big CapEx-based product uh, projects. So you'd, you'd have a big investment that you'd amortize over many years to, to reap the benefit of it. But with public cloud and, and uh, hosted solutions as a service-based solutions, you can deliver that on an OPEX basis. So you don't have to amortize. There's no big CapEx investment. You can just switch on the tap as, and yeah. consume as much of the service as you want. So what this means is the role of a CIO or CTO is beginning to change now to become more of somebody who is managing vendors and making sure they get the best solutions from those vendors and making sure that they're dealing with the best in class vendors to get their solutions in place. OK, and so for them to do that, what what kind of skills do you foresee that they need to, you know, to, to evolve and, and become more engaging, let's say, to to people? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, clearly, it used to be the case that they had to be super technically savvy. They used to really need to, needed to understand the details of how that technology was working at all levels of the stack. But now um, I would say there are different skills coming forward. More of the sort of softer stuff becomes uh, important. Softer skills around things like influencing, you know, convincing your, your stakeholders that solutions are, the, are, are good and proper. Uh, communication, obviously, uh, mm -hmm. to get those, to, to get to, to inform the organization of, uh, of the changes that are coming. Um, you, you've, you've got to be able to show a bit of empathy as well um, for, for those people that are trying to manage these um, and implement these solutions. I think clarity of purpose is an important one too. Um, that you should never shy away from that. You've got to be authentic in your, in your leadership too. So those softer skills are now as important, if not more important, than the hard technology skills that you've probably learned to get you to that position. Yeah. So obviously, as a change manager, you're now talking my languages. <laughs> I'm hearing soft skills. I'm I'm hearing communication. I'm hearing people. Um, and 
and and actually i think that you're absolutely raising a really valid point throughout all of this because uh obviously it is my experience um when when doing technical implementations of any kind that actually communication and engagement between those technical teams and the business colleagues is absolutely vital and i always i always, I always describe myself as the kind of the bridge in between them so you you know i focus on what the technical team are trying to to deliver because you know this is a, a group of very intelligent people who have these wonderful tools and products and solutions that they are trying to provide and uh, and support their business colleagues with but the way maybe they translate that to the tech uh, to the business people who are obviously very focused on let's face it making the money for the company you know there, there's there's often a, a little bit of a, a disconnect between the two so somebody like myself comes in and helps communicate that that, that message but yeah, and you know, you you raise the point of okay, so the role of CIOs, CTOs, are evolving to become more interactive and personal to people. Let's face it, to business people. But do you think that there is also uh, an appetite or a need to look at our technical colleagues in organisations and see if there's a way that they can improve how they communicate with the business people? You know, do you think there that there's a, a need to you know for them to evolve in this? And do you consider it a problem? Yeah, Nick, that's a really good point. And it's it's one that's, I think, benefited me in my my career so far. I In the way that I've described how businesses have become more technically savvy, I think the technology departments need to become more business savvy. Um, in the middle of my career, I did a exec MBA with Birmingham University. And that set me in good stead to sort of go to the top table and uh, and end up being a COO and a CIO, CTO, head of change, able to communicate to the business on their terms about the delivery of change. And so I, I challenge all techni uh, technology staff that are listening to this podcast to really think very carefully about how they're going to tool themselves up with the business skills they need for the future and not just rely on business staff having the business knowledge that they're converting into something that technology can understand. It's, this is a two-way street. Absolutely, no, I, I agree. And, and you know, and, and it, you, you mentioned before about the digital, digital transformation and that blending of process people and technologies, but it's also about language issues. I um, I have a, a a swear jar, if you will, for the word users. So in in within Simplify Change, we never um, refer to business people as users, but that's immediately um, a behaviour that a lot of a lot of my technical colleagues will use because they're they're, they're still in this mindset of they are the users of a product. Um, you know, so so it is it's little little skills like that that they can definitely develop absolutely so, nick you and i are singing from the same hymn sheet here because <laughs> it was a, it was a, a word that i banned in my technology organization nobody yeah. was able to send a message to staff that started hey users or dear users right no it's a message to all staff <laughs> you know what i i'm i'm, I'm gonna uh, softly laugh about this one but uh, I just when you hear the word users, it, it, for me, it refers to so many different things. It's almost, uh, you know, kind of a, a drug dealer has users, for example. You don't want to refer to to people that way. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's referencing addictions or, or it's such a sterile word. And so I'm 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 actually I'm really, really pleased to hear that you do also ban that word. <laughs> <Very good. laughs> 
Um, okay, Trevor. So um, obviously we've we've spoken about the, the change in change in roles and and actually the way of technology people need to um, to perhaps consider upskilling some of some of their, uh, their skills. What would your advice be to any C-suite management or anyone actually looking to evolve into one of these roles? I mean, where where should they go? How can they develop themselves from here in this new world? What would your advice be? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure there's there's lots of things people can do um, to to improve themselves and and to you know step up to this new challenge. But I'll just give two things that I think you can actually action straight away. And one is go after the skills that you don't have. Right, it's very very easy to do bite-sized learning, online learning these days, in in small chunks. You don't have to commit to doing an MBA over two or three years. Um, you can you can just do a lot of online learning, or you know, LinkedIn has some great um, resources that can mm-hmm. take you through some of the skills that you don't necessarily have, but you know that they're kind of absent from your, your toolkit, as it were, at the moment. That would be number one. So challenge yourself to go after the skills that you don't have. Secondly, I'd say is do try to identify key partners that you can work with, because what you don't want to do is to try and reinvent the wheel. Every organisation is now trying to understand what this digital transformation is really all about. And many organisations are providing advice about it. But to, to cut to the chase on it, you should really select the right partners to work with to help achieve it. Don't don't try and reinvent the wheel and think you can just do it on your own. Mm. And 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 how would you how would you select those best partners? If I was, you know, if 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 I, if I was going to take a stab at that, how do I know what you know? Where do I begin? Because you know, there's there's so many different options out there. Yeah, absolutely. An organisation like Behind Every Cloud, what we do is we provide information about a number of different vendors. We actually partner with more than 150 different vendors, each each in a different particular part of the change and technology space. Mm -hmm. So we're able to provide best of breed analysis of which organizations are best for which particular kind of solutions and not only that we provide that advice for free there's no there's no consulting cost for us to come in and talk about it we're open for free discussion to talk about which um, vendor is most appropriate for the particular problem that you're running with at the moment Okay, and and forgive me, I'm 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 known as quite a skeptical person, but are you in any way biased about about that vendor selection? We can't afford to be. One of our value propositions is that we're independent uh, compared to you know a sales guy who's working for a vendor. We are independent of vendor, and so we would never do anything that would you know undermine that operating model. So we like to, uh, and we are, say that we are completely independent of vendor and able to provide that independent analysis. Excellent. Okay. Um, and if if I was if I was then looking to obviously um, work with Behind Every Cloud, how would I get in touch with you? So um, it's the normal channels, Nick. Uh, our website is behindeverycloud.co.uk. Um, alternatively, you can contact me directly, uh, Trevor Hunt on uh, LinkedIn. 
Excellent. OK, and what I'll do in, um, uh, you know, for, for, for the listeners, I'll make sure we get your details also um, in reference to that. Um, so thank you ever so much, Trevor, for your time today. It's been really, really interesting talking to you. Um, before we go, I am curious and I, you know, I'm I, I'm always I've been doing a lot of um, uh, I've been doing a lot of videos and, and blogs recently around the obviously the lockdown and the, the behavioural changes we're all going through. I'm also talking to a lot of clients at the moment about how I can assist them and their staff with the changes of remote working, but also this coming back into work. So I'm going to ask you, how how, how are you doing? How, you know, have you survived it so far? Um, aside lots of wine, you know, how, how have you found lockdown for you? <laughs> so, so first of all, my alcohol consumption's at an all-time low, actually. So oh, I, I dispel, good for you. <laughs> I, dispel, I dispel that myth. Um, no, lockdown has been brilliant for me for for three reasons, Nick. Um, number one, it's been quality time with my family. Um, everyone's been at home, and it's just been great to spend quality time with them. You know, dinners in the evening, uh, breakfast in the morning. It's it's just been great from that perspective. Secondly, um, I've I'm fitter than I've ever been. Back to cycling, during the lockdown, the roads were so quiet, it was a perfect time to be cycling. So my fitness is, is has never been better. And, and thirdly, um, what's been really good for me is I've changed my career path. And I was always at the point in the last sort of two or three years of thinking when to do that. What I wanted to do is find a way of giving back, right? I've spent 30, 30 years in financial services, I've done a, a number of different volunteering gigs, but the opportunity with Behind Every Cloud has been brilliant because I'm giving back to um, CTOs, CIOs, maybe new in role or or not, but just giving that advice um, based based on my experience and, my, and the rest of the team's experience. So um, it's been per, it's been a great time. I've really enjoyed it, and I'll reflect on this time in the future as a as a real highlight. Yeah, I mean that's that's a really really humbling actually to hear, and you know obviously taking that that mentor role, um, you know through this opportunity. Um, have you had? Um, you mentioned the cycling again, and you know I'm always going to come back to cycling. Have you had? How how many people have reached out to you for advice on bikes? Because mine has been nonstop. No. I've had I've had one or two. Yes, exactly. What's what's the most comfortable kind of bike to have, especially. <laughs> You know, when you get a little bit older, um, you don't want the hardest framed bike because they're not so good on your bones. Yeah. So, um, you know, something that's a bit flexible and a, a decent a decent um, sort of alignment so that you don't do your back in. Um, but but yes, I've, I've, I've had a few of those, Nick. And, and also I've had a few social rides as well, which has been nice to, to connect with people in a yes. socially distant kind of I was way. Say, you can socially distance quite well on a bike, can't you? I um, I must admit I've had a few um, I've had a few girly conversations with with some some of my female mates who've um, our, our conversation ironically has all been around the padding. <laughs> How can I support myself a little bit more? <laughs> That's been an interesting one. <laughs> oh, brilliant! So thank you again, Trevor. It's been a pleasure to talk to you as always. And I very well, let's try and get get out on a, a Strava ride together soon. Absolutely. Um, but I think Box Hill is beckoning, actually, Nick. So oh. hopefully we'll be able to get out there pretty soon. So I've actually um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pitch this, but uh, I've just I've just agreed yesterday to um, a sportive at the end of August called Le, Le Cure, and it's a really good cause. It's four days of 
3,000 metres of climbing in the Alps um, and it's all for charity, it's, um, it's for cancer. cancer. Um, and I must admit, so I am in need of some hill climbing because <laughs> I've been on flats most of this time. So, yep, I think you'll find that uh, the, the next month for me will be a lot of climbing. So Box Hill sounds brilliant. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for no the opportunity and all the best with your simplified change business too. Thank you very much. So thank you for listening today, everybody. Uh, if you would like more information about Behind Every Cloud, uh, obviously you can um, reach out to them on their website, behindeverycloud.co.uk. Um, we'll also put the details in the podcast for you. So if you do want to reach out to Trevor directly, as he's already mentioned through this podcast, he is also in an advisory role and he wants to give back to people. So if you do want to um, connect with him, I really recommend that you do that. And if you want to join us on Strava, do that as well. We are always looking forward to cycling friends. All the best and have a great day everybody.